Welcome in. It's the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail here on BearcatJournal.com. No watch party this week at the Holy Grail as the Bearcats have a bye week, but make sure noon on my birthday, October 17th, the Bearcats take on the Golden Hurricane from Tulsa. There will, of course, be a BCJ watch party at the Holy Grail. Since it's a bye week, we've got to, got to mix it up a little bit this week. Dave Simone is out. He's been replaced by my friend from The Athletic, Justin Williams. Justin, hi, how are you? What's up, Chad? How are you? I'm good, and, and we have a very special guest today, someone that uh, we've been looking forward to talking to. Basketball is, uh, is right around the corner, about 45, 50 days until uh, the season uh, supposedly gets going. <laughs> In some ways, who knows exactly what's happening. But I thought the bye week would be a great time to be joined by Cincinnati men's head basketball coach, John Brandon. Coach, welcome into the show. How are you today? Good morning, guys. Uh, great. Thrilled to be on. Appreciate it. And uh, good to have Justin on here uh, as well. You're a big fan of my spot at the Holy Grail, right? Big round table, back corner of the room. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's the spot at the Holy Grail. So the Twins are a real big fan, of, and I am as well, obviously, but the Twins are a big fan of the Holy Grail. And, um, so whenever we're uh, in the afternoon, if we make our way downtown, that's typically where lunch is on the weekends. That, that's the Chad Brent. That's the Bearcat Journal table right there. For, uh, for every, that every watch party, that's uh, that's my spot back in the corner, mm-hmm. tucked away. Do, do like people it. ask you that, Coach, when you're there? Like, oh, do you know Chad? Do you know this is Chad's spot? You get that yeah, you know, usually not just the Holy Grail, Justin. Pretty much everywhere. In the- <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach. Uh, first off, I, I want to talk about the uh, the new. Uh, initiative that you've got going with Cincinnati Bell and give you a chance to uh, to, to shine some light on that. Uh, take us through the process. It, it's a minority internship uh, with the men's basketball program in partnership with Cincinnati Bell and uh, a really cool uh, addition to the program. It really is. And, and you know, I was very excited to, to get the invitation to be a part of that. Um, uh, really, it was headed by Coach Cal Perry uh, and, and Coach Amaker at Harvard really kind of got things going and Utilized a, a firm that I was very close to in uh, G3 marketing. And um, when I heard about the initiative, we did several Zoom calls um, with about, you know, anywhere from 50 to 70 basketball coaches. Um, and uh, I think there was like maybe one or two football. Uh, but it's just, it really spoke to, to, to me. And, you know, when you look at administration across the country, you know, I, there's not a lot of uh, diversity. And uh, you see diversity in, in college basketball coaching and college football in terms of your entire staff, but you don't so much in administration. And I think they recognized the void that was there and, and an opportunity to uh, really put something sustainable in place, Chad, that would, uh, that would, that would serve the purpose of uh, bettering athletic departments, but more importantly, providing opportunities. And uh, so when, when I was able to do that and then partner with uh, Cincinnati Bell for four year, we're gonna do this for four years at the University of Cincinnati, we'll have a minority internship uh, it'll be full. Uh, there'll be full time hours, I believe, uh, and it's really going to be. A, they'll get a stipend, and, and we'll pay for grad school, and they're going to do some different things. I think with our business school, uh, led up by President Pinto, is also a part of this initiative in terms of the uh, a- academic piece and, and serving them from an educational standpoint. So, we're going to do that next semester. Uh, it's going to start right away, and uh, you know we lo- we've lost some people to, to COVID nineteen in terms of jobs, and uh, I think. Uh, for a number of reasons, it's good for the University of Cincinnati, but first and foremost, providing opportunities for those out there to, to provide more diversity in athletic departments across the country. And uh, I couldn't be more honored to, to be a part of anything as special as this. Well, I'm, I'm glad to uh, be able to help you get the word out about that. I know it's it's something that is important to you, and uh, I wanted to, to allow you to open with that. Um, let's get to, to basketball. You're a guy that is um, – you thrive on structure you like things to be very detailed and very organized. Uh, how difficult is all of this for you in, in that there's so many moving parts and the season's right around the corner and there's still not a lot of answers. Yeah. So it's not going to be a poor me question answer. No, uh, certainly, you know, it's, uh, we all have had to make sacrifices, but to answer this question specifically, our, our system is built around uh, a calendar. Okay. In terms of, <laughs> We condition X amount of days to condition. We, we do a conditioning to where, you know, you're, you're prepared for the for, for practice. We do 
I mean, it's just, it's, it's tried and true. There's a system that starts on June 1st of every year, guys, where they come in for eight weeks and, you know, the basketball stuff may change per roster, but the, the formation of the system doesn't. And the system, what do we talk about? If you put talent with culture in our system, you win championships. Well, we got the talent, I, I believe. Um, we're implementing the culture, which takes time. The system's out of whack right now. And uh, in large part, the everything, we call it plank. We plank everything on top of it so that it all comes together. And we recruit based on it. We schedule based on it. We evaluate based on it. Our every day is based on it. And uh, you know, I always come from the, from the thing that, you know, average coaches have slogans. Good coaches have plays. And, and great coaches have systems. And uh, I'm not saying I'm a great coach, but I'm saying that's what we want to aspire to. And uh, we're, we're very much uh, outside of our system right now. And, and we're trying to make sure that we uh, understand what flexibility means and sacrifice while also preparing our guys. Because uh, one of the things I've noticed with the NBA is, uh, you know, everybody talks about it, everybody's making sacrifices and, you know, teams aren't going to be ready. But as soon as that bubble comes, everybody wants to win a championship, right? As right. soon as you start playing, everybody wants to win all the games. So uh, there's no difference in our fan base and there's no difference in our expectations. Yeah. So you don't have that schedule, that system, that structure. Give me a sense of what what it's like, just maybe not day to day, but week to week right now. You know, how much are you waiting for information? Do you wake up every morning and have like, I got to call this guy or I got to check this email? Where is this all coming from? Well, this is the challenge. So you, you get football. So, you know, football takes precedent right now in terms of information. So they're, they're getting information first and then we're kind of waiting on it. And uh, you know, I, I was joking with Luke, I uh, was walking down the steps with Bob Mangini the other day. And I said, you know, that, that guy controls our lives uh, right now. <laughs> the most important man on campus. Yeah, you know, he's, he makes all the decisions right now. And I mean, he, he, he's not making them, the, the, the virus is making them. And we're, we're all reacting, right. including Bob and the doctors. Uh, but it's constant updates and constant changes and uh, it's hard to explain you know i i joke around that the great video that uh, mike boynton did for uh the, where he interviewed oklahoma state where his players asked him questions he said i don't know i don't know uh, i was with lisa one day and she goes why don't you know <laughs> i was like well, I, nobody knows right <laughs> she thinks i'm hiding the schedule from her i'm like <laughs> i haven't had the schedule yet so what about your players are they they bugging you too and asking you um, I mean, um, no, I think they great timing. I, I, I feel bad about, I feel bad about, I, I call her staff and I say, guys, I, cause you don't look like, you know, what you're doing as a leader right now. And, and I just I said, we, we just don't know. And I said, I'm asking the guys for flexibility. Justin, where, where I've asked our guys the most at is that they can't go home. And, and, you know, we've got a weekend off next weekend for our last uh, few days off before official practice begins. Uh, we're going we're gonna to begin on Thursday, actually. Uh, and, and they can't go home. Uh, the guys that have been tested, you know, if anybody's tested positive within the last 90 days, which we really don't have any of, um, they can. Uh, so that, that's the part I struggle with the most. Mm -hmm. Scheduling. I, I'm not going to get too detailed on it because I don't think it's well known that, that nobody really has answers yet. Uh, maybe it helped a little bit yesterday that the Division One Council uh, went forth with their recommendations on 27 games with an MTE, 25 games without an MTE, and, and at least gave some guidance on that. What I want to know is, you guys worked your butt off to build maybe the best non-conference schedule in UC basketball history. To see that kind of get tossed out the window, how frustrating has that been? Because I know you were really proud of the schedule that you guys had put together to challenge this team. And now, you know, so much of that is up in the air. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of work that went into that um, across the country. Uh, but for us, you know, it's very, it's part of the system, right? We, we evaluate right. where our teams that we evaluate where the country looks like. I mean, right now we don't, our, our entire scheduling system is based on the, what the selection committee uses as their metrics for the tournament. We don't have that right now. We have no idea. So our schedule was, is basically left null and void because it was based on calculations of the NCAA tournament and their process, which their process hasn't been determined yet because the seasons changed with the number of games and number of conference games. 
So we basically wasted our time, for lack of a better term, word, because we don't even know what the selection is. And that's what I kept saying. Tell me what the selection process is going to be so we can make adjustments. But specific to the schedule now, um, so, so our fans understand the MTE events, uh, you know, multi-team events or events that, you know, take place typically in November, December, where you get a chance to play high-level teams if you so choose, or you can get lower-level teams at home, uh, which some people have decided to do. And then we, uh, we, uh, we play those on neutral sites. And for us, you know, one of the things that Cincinnati's never done in the past is gotten involved with ESPN because ESPN runs a lot of them, right? Well, we, we partner with ESPN now for the next three years. And NIT next year in Kansas City and then Maui the following year. And, um, you know, the, the, right now it's up in the air. There's no contracts. And uh, give the fans a, a really inner look. When you do an MTE, like we're involved in ESPN, but when I ran my own MTE in North Kentucky, it would be like Zoom would be great because everybody would stand in the room and go, all right, sign at the same time, the contract, right? Like, <laughs> you, Justin, you, Chad, are ready now. And because people just bail on these things and there's no contracts. And right now it's just, it's just everything's hypotheticals. And uh, we, <laughs> we're supposed to play November 25th. We don't, we don't have a first game yet. Do you have a, a, a time frame of when you think you need to, to get this situated? Is yeah, there a, there's, is no, the, there's no golden window. There's no, I don't even know what that means. Um, there's a window. I, I just November 25th. Yeah, we got to have our <laughs> done by then, and then you got to have X amount of games. So, um, right now, you know, what, what, I've, what I've urged for, and I, I made this point on the conference call with the head coaches yesterday, is everyone when this started had empathy and compassion for everybody involved, uh, trainers, athletic trainers, coaches, players. And if, if we start letting, allowing the competitives to get in front of the empathy and compassion, then, uh, then we're frauds. And... Uh, you guys know me well enough that, that our, our program is not going to be that. I know a, a big part of the non-conference stuff is you kind of have to wait for the, the conference schedule and, and know how that plays out. And it's been announced the AAC is going to 20 games this year. Do you have a much of a sense yet of what that will look like? I've got an idea when the conference games week, weekly are going to be played, but they, you know, they, they give us weeks. And the, again, Compassion and empathy. That the conference has to figure it out, and we have to understand that takes time. Okay, I mean, all our I mean, all our lives have changed right now, and, and we just need to understand that. So, we do have the weeks of which the games are going to be played, Justin, but we don't have the dates. And this is basketball, so you play two to three games a week. So, to, it kind of impacts everything else. We we got to find out the date, but we also got to allow them to figure it out based on TV, based on travel, based on you know COVID testing. Um, patience, flexibility, empathy, compassion. Uh, uh, I, I love my profession. Uh, I, I need, it needs to get, the recruiting piece that I always said needed to get cleaned up. It's going in that direction. I, I hope I hope our coaches realize those three things across the country. I think it's pretty important. And something people don't think about in this league, teams playing in NBA arenas. And, and we don't have any clue what's going on with the NBA, when they're going to start. I mean, that's got to make it difficult, too. We don't know the NBA is going to start. I mean, I was talking to Coach Donovan, the new bull. You know, he's uh, he's with the Chicago now, and that was his thing. You know, he's, he's excited about the new start, but, you know, when, when we start playing games. Uh, I, went to, I went to the Celtics training camp uh, at the beginning, and I started to say last season. And I was like, wait a second, it's this season. Then I saw Grant Williams playing for – uh, Boston, right? And they were like, well, he played Tennessee last year. I'm like, he was conference player of the year, but we didn't play against him. Like, it's like, <laughs> I don't know what season we're in right now, right? This NBA season feels like the second season of COVID. You were like, man, we really shut down Grant Williams when they came here. You know, exactly. I thought, damn, that was a really big win. Grant Williams was on that. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's interesting. I don't know much how much you can or want to share about this, but football is so different in scheduling. Like, you know, UC is now scheduled to play at Army in, in 2031. Basketball is different. How does it normally work in terms of basketball scheduling? And how do you think that will change or maybe even help with the way things are going yeah. this year? Good question. So, uh, you know, I've always been lucky enough to be part of really good programs. And when you've been part of really good programs like VCU, it's really hard to schedule because nobody wants to play at that point, top-level mid-majors. You know, Northern Kentucky, when I was the head coach there, nobody wanted to play us. Um, so, unless you used their arena for a year. 
<laughs> which you know i got three road games out of that deal um but uh, uh it's hard because um but I, i've got patience for it so for, for me because i've been part of such good programs that uh i, I never get our schedule until august anyway the year before so I, there's no rush for me because i know it's all going to work out so that's why i'm comfortable with it um there's no such thing in college basketball scheduling as a true four-year plan right now. I mean, teams that got contracts for two years from now, uh, I mean, there's flexibility. And, you know, I, I've heard different people say, well, we, we got to worry about, we already got contracts for next year. Well, yeah, I mean, this is a COVID time and, and typically schedules aren't done until August anyway. So I guess for most people, I'm pretty flexible with it, Justin. I know it's going to get done, uh, but it is very different than football. And certainly when I was at Alabama, and they're scheduling so many years ahead as is Cincinnati because you only have what? I don't. How many non-conference football games you have? Four. Four, four. in the American. Yeah. So some places three. Four. So we have we have like thirteen. So we have what? I'm not good with math. We have almost four years of football non-conference games in one season. You you mentioned recruiting a little bit there. Um, you're a guy that again process getting in see to see players in person, uh, getting to make on-site evaluations, getting a chance to get to know the player through visits to their school or for the player coming onto campus, in-home visits, all of that stuff is off the table right now. How difficult has that been? And uh, maybe how lucky are you in that you've got a lot of young guys coming already into the program, or maybe it's not a rush right now to say, uh, we have to get these 2021 spots filled, even though you're a guy that prefers to have everything done normally by November. Yeah, typically we do great in the early signing period. We also had some transfers here late uh, due to the dynamic of college basketball. Um, that's been a major adjustment. Uh, you know, I've offered more young men off film than I ever have, um, which again ties Which you the- love. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a struggle because you – you can tell how good they are, but you don't. You can't tell how they treat their teammates when they go off the court because the, the camera doesn't go down at the end of the bench. You don't know what they're saying in timeouts. You don't know what they're saying in practice when they go to the. You know, you know we're so culture based that you know my relationship with our players is so important that we build that. You know, like right now our freshmen we're connected at a high level because I recruited them all for a year now, and um, so I, I don't know that we're going to sign anybody in the early signing period. Um, we've pushed pause. We've gone after a few young men. But we push pause because I've told our staff we're not making mistakes. We're, 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 let me rephrase that. We're not guessing. I'm not. I'm not in the game of guessing. And uh, if that requires us to go to the late signing period and, and it, we have to sign some more transfers because those aren't as much of a guess because you either play against them or you watch them on film a lot, uh, then that's what we'll have to do. But I'm, I'm not guessing, and uh, I don't want to put our program in that situation. I'd like us to get on the road as soon as possible. We would sign guys if we were allowed to be on the road. But I don't want to be in, in, in that position of, uh, of guesswork in terms of their character, in terms of their toughness, in terms of their ability to sacrifice for others, and in terms of their talents and skill levels for how we play and the way we want to, the kind of team we want to put on the floor. Does this also maybe give you an opportunity to find out a little bit more about what you have with your freshmen because it is such a big freshman class before you start adding into the program to know, like, where all the pieces fit better because you have a better feel for those guys, the younger guys. Uh, great insight. Uh, exactly, Chad. You know, it's especially considering we're going to 12 hours now. So before we were yeah. eight, we were 12, the way they did football, there's a lead in. That's really helped. So now we're doing eight hours of basketball per week instead of four. And I'm able to get a better feel for what our freshmen are. Now, I say that, but I'm also making up for the fact that we lost five weeks in the summer that we would normally have. So yeah. you're kind of restricted in terms of your, uh, it really doesn't matter in terms of being on the road or not, because I'm still restricted how many hours I have with them when I'm here, but it allows me to pour into them more in film and pour into them more into the, 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 the personal aspect of things. And I feel like as a team, we're probably closer than we've ever been because we get a chance to spend so much time together. Um, and part of that is because we're not on the road as much, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely helped in that area, Chad, but it's also needed to make up time lost in the summer. You mentioned, the information coming in from from football and you know how that's impacted everything whether it's recruiting or player management or just kind of the season as a whole have you learned anything from watching how this football season has gone the first few weeks whether you see or just in general 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, our, 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 for Luke and, and Molly, I know she was dealing with it. Um, wow. I mean, you know, he, the football practiced for how many weeks without knowing if they're going to play or not. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, I, I, what those coaches went through and what they did with their programs is unbelievable. And, you know, I think for a football team, their experience, they had a lot coming back. And I think probably they were able to maybe to maneuver a little bit easier than they would have maybe if they were younger. Um, so I've learned a lot from watching what they've done, but also it's a different dynamic for us because we are so young and, you know, we, we, we have so few players that, you know, one positive test could shut down our entire program. So um, the, uh, what, what our fall sports had to go through uh, was, was very, for our fans, the, 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 they went, what Luke was able to do in the, in the, is very difficult, very difficult. How scary is that, that idea that with such a smaller roster, one positive, just one thing can throw everything off. How much are you talking to your players? They're 18 to 22 year olds, you know, you can't control them, but how often are you not talking basketball and talking life stuff? A lot, you know, with the social injustice going on, we talked a lot with the COVID. Uh, freshmen have no idea what college is supposed to, you know, at least our juniors and seniors know what college is supposed to look like. Our freshmen have no idea. And, uh, we, you know, I, be honest with you, I, you know, I feel like coaches are, if you have positive tests, you're an undisciplined coach. If you have negative tests, you're a disciplined coach. Like, no, I mean, it's, this, this is life. I mean, and our guys have been unbelievable. We've asked them not to go to bars. We've asked them not to go to parties. We've asked them not to go home. And for the most part, they've, they've done everything we've asked. And um, it speaks to their character. Um, I hate that they're going through this because it's not a true college experience. But, I mean, every day after practice, particularly on a Friday, uh, Justin, it's, all right, guys, no parties, no, you know, no, no going out, you know, have dinner, make sure you're staying around the same people. And I'm heading home to my wife and kids. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, they come over to my house a lot because, we, you know, once we test negative, we bring them over. Um, I feel I feel bad now. They came over and watched a game the other night because they just wanted to hang out. I mean, I've never had a team invite them to my house. This team has. I've never been that <laughs> likable before. So we'll find out if COVID takes place or not. You talked about the the twelve hours, and you're getting eight hours on the court, so four hours uh, with your new strength and conditioning coach. What do those eight hours a week look like right now? As you try to, is it is it conditioning? Is it trying to make up for that stuff that you didn't get to, to do in June. How much skill work, how much basketball work do you get to do? Or are you not there yet? So I called around and asked around and um, uh, you can either do what you said, right? Put skill work in, work on conditioning or put your system in. We've decided to put our system in because what happens if we get shut down for two weeks? Yeah. When we come out of the shutdown, they're like, are we a man team or zone team coach? I mean, you're, it's like we were starting to put our systems in there, uh, more so than I ever have. We've had four full practices a week. Uh, I'm going to pull back this week because I want to be ready for next week's practice. But we'll have one more this week, and then we'll end the week with skill development. Can you can you give us any insight into who's catching your eye, who's turning your head? Um, Anybody standing out earlier? Is it, oh, is the it, the it's ball flying out time. of bounds on turnovers has turned my head quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, catching my eye, you know, I just, um, Coach G's in great shape right now. Um, <laughs> Tim's, you know, working out with the guys. He looks really good. How's and his knee? How's his knee? Tim's knee's good. And, uh, you know, I, I really felt like I've really come out of quarantine with the, uh, not quarantine, but uh, the, you know, being home isolation pandemic, uh, really in great shape. So, how's really your jumper? I'm really comfortable where our staff's at. I'm guessing you play a lot of, uh, pig or horse in your background and back backyard with the with the girls yeah, yeah, how's well, the jumper how's the jumper well, my outdoor shot's really good I, my indoor shot's a little bit different so <laughs> I, I think we're you know we're, we're looking pretty good for that from those purposes i tried uh, i tried did. guys oh this this doesn't have to this doesn't have to be specific to the to the workouts and how great of shape your uh your staff's in but how big was especially with, you know, the uncertainty this offseason, how big was getting the DeJulius waiver and, and knowing that you have a piece like that? Yeah, you know, I, David brings tremendous leadership and um, and an understanding how to play and, and a competitive excellence because of where, where he came from. 
And if you're sitting out, you can still have those qualities be a part of your team, but it just doesn't echo as much. It just doesn't, it doesn't make as much of a dent. So I think first and foremost, is all those things I mentioned is work ethic. He's learning our system uh, as all our guys are. And uh, you know, every year we make adjustments to the system and we're making tweaks and adjustments right now. Uh, but I think he was certainly a big addition for more than just basketball. And he certainly is a really good basketball player too. What's the, the mood been, or I don't know, maybe a sense of urgency from the seniors, Keith, Rap, Chris, does it feel different for them? Do they seem on edge? Do they seem excited or more grateful? You know, I guess I don't even know how they would feel. Yeah, I think, you know, Keith wasn't around a lot this summer. Um, so I think it was a level of concern um, in terms of whether we're going to have the season or not. And uh, so, you know, uh, I wouldn't say that. I think, I think Chris is probably in the best shape he's ever been. Um, you know, Keith needs to get in better shape. Uh, we've talked about that. Um, and when he does, he'll be elite. Uh, but uh, that sense of urgency I, needs to, you know, needs to kick in as we start up here. And uh, I think the biggest thing is all the question marks kind of uh, limit to that. You know what I mean? I mean, the question marks weren't around whether we were going to play or not. The anxiety uh, kind of was more than, uh, more than the, probably the biggest feeling our players felt. Um, does it feel surreal coach that to, to look down at the calendar and see it's the start of practices next week. And, and the, the, this thing is finally, cause I know everybody talks about how long 2020 has been. And then it feels like, you know, we talked about the NBA stuff. It feels like three years since March. Has it set in yet that practice starts next week and the season's that close? And how uh, much panic is there in that? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of anxiety, you know, more anxiety that I'm worried about, you know, everything we got to put in. And, um, yeah, the sense of urgency is what I would call it is now there. You know, I'll spend the next week kind of hold up here trying to make sure we have everything in plan for the for what we need to do in the start of practice. And really, you know, in college basketball, the summer, the fall has led into the beginning of practice. And I really want to separate that and make sure the guys are excited because, you know, we we're, we're starting on October 15th for all the – People that paid attention to college basketball, that was always the crown jewel, right? It was always the start yeah. of basketball, October 15th. And I'm trying to make our guys feel that way. We have 30 practices in 42 days before our first game. And uh, it's here. And, uh, you know, we don't know who we're playing our first game yet, but it's here. So, you know, there's no exhibition. There's no – so despite all that, Chad, there's still anxiety and angst over, you know, hey, we got to get our system in. But, Coach, who are we playing? And, uh, you know, I don't have that answer. How excited are you with with everything going on that now you're not even gonna have to entertain me about bugging you to to come to practice and just tell me no, not allowed. <laughs> oh, I didn't think of that advantage. Um, that didn't cross my mind. Um, that, that's his way of letting all his all his uh, people in Bearcat Journal know that I don't let Chad in practice. You have let me in practice. I'm just having fun with it because you enjoy telling me no. I do. Uh, no, it's a uh, it's interesting. So, you know, like my, my, my kids haven't been to practice, which, you know, I, I hate. And then, you know, high school coaches that I like to have the practice come. And you know, we've had some NBA guys come to give, you know, I spent some time with Stan Van Gundy last year. He came. And, um, so, you know, to be honest, Chad, I thought of those people quite a bit before I thought of you. And uh, <laughs> in terms of, you know, them coming to practice and, you know, I, they, they provide insight for me. So I think, you know, I hate that for, for me and for our staff, but. Um, hopefully things will get better as we go. Hopefully, it's, you know, testing gets better, vaccines get better, and who knows. Uh, somebody told me the other day in a conference call that uh, Wichita okayed 5,000 fans in their, in their, for their basketball games. Have you guys heard that? No, that's, that's pretty surprising. Yeah, so. Hmm. I, I guess my problem is I'm just not providing enough insight for you to come to practice, right? Like it's a, it's a one-way street. If I come to practice, you're providing insight for me. And well, it, I, I don't, not... I, you know, that's, that's a good point. So is it called Rendell Bites? I, yeah. I don't, I don't read your stuff, but <laughs> I may be forced to this year because we won't have our same one-on-one -on -one evaluations that you like to give me after the practice. So. Yeah. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> uh, so what's, What's next? What, what's the next thing that you're focused on? Obviously, I know practice is coming up, but just in terms of decisions in the schedule. Um, yeah, we just got to we got we got to find out how many games we're allowed to play based on whether this MTE is going to happen. And once the MTE is going to happen, we'll figure that out. 
All right, that uh, I think that about wraps it up, Justin, and uh, we'll let John go here. He's got a a busy day ahead of him. With uh, I mean, that's practice starts next Thursday. Like that, that is wild to think. But special thanks to John. Really appreciate him coming on. I, I look, there's some things we didn't get to in there, and just that there's no answer uh, on those things, and it doesn't. We're not going to accomplish anything trying to pry into it because he's not going to tell us. You know, probably say bad words and call us names or something we, along those lines. We, we made it what 30, 40 minutes before he, he really rolled his, his eyes at us. That's, that's pretty good. It is pretty good. So, I mean, <laughs> but thanks to John for coming on. Uh, it's tough because as that, as that uh, interview, I think orchestrates, there's still so much unknown, Justin, there's so much that's still, you know, up in the air and, and hopefully yesterday with the council recommending uh, what the schedule should look like and the start of practice next week, hopefully things, um, things start to pick up. But right now it's, it's exactly where we were. I talked about this on the message board uh, the other day. It's exactly where we were in like early July with football where we looked and said, look, campus in like, holy crap, campus in three weeks and nobody knows what's going on. We got into camp and people still didn't know what was going on. So um, I appreciate John coming on and, and, and sharing some of that with us and giving us at least as much of a, a look as possible inside how things are, uh, are playing out. Yeah. Not I mean, easy I think, to do. I think people sort of have an understanding of how this works, but there are obviously times where we're asking questions and, and coaches are saying they don't know, but they, they clearly know. And then there's sometimes we'll get things, but we, you know, we don't have them like reportable yet or, or ready to go. And then there's like this situation where anyone I've talked to just like literally no clue. And, you know, I, I think I told you, like, I, I've, I've talked to people that have, you know, started asking me questions, not about basketball, just about other things, because they're, you know, they, they have nothing going on. Right. On, on it, their side of things. They're kind of like, well, what's going on, you know, on, on your on your side with your job and, and how's football going and stuff like that, because there's nothing really to, to give answers on. And, and this was something that, you know, you always, especially as basketball nears, you look at that bye week and say, all right, that, that'll be a good week to, to get some basketball stuff in. So this was an interview that I had talked to John about a long time ago. Um, and he didn't have to, to honor that commitment. You know what I mean? It, could, it would have been very easy to just say, look, we're going to have to push it back a couple of weeks until I, until I figure out where things are at. And I mean, normally wouldn't this be like when we would do the, the media day, like right you know, around. Yeah. The week before first, second week starts. of October. Yeah. I feel like. October 8th was like the conference media day last year. And usually the, the team ones right around that. And, you know, like you said, you know, we don't know our, their first game yet. It's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting to continue to track. Yeah. What you got going? How's your schedule look? You want, you want to talk some football? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> any, any, anything, anything to talk about there? Um, three and oh. Well, three and oh. Things Number, number 11, 11 in the country. Highest ranking since since 2009. Um, look, let's not beat around the bush. That's really where all this comes from, right? Like, look, we haven't seen enough from the quarterback play over the first three games. There's nobody running away from that. There's nobody denying that. There's nobody uh, making excuses for anyone, as I'm so often uh, accused of when trying to rationally uh, talk about things. Um but I think people, I think this is where the, the reality sets in. I think people look at this team and, and they see a, an outstanding defensive line. Um, maybe the best player on the team so far this year in Jarrell White at linebacker. An outstanding secondary. A much improved offensive line with two really good tackles, which is very difficult to, to accomplish consistency consistently at this level, at, at any level. Look how many power five teams don't have, you know, good tackle play. Look how different it is from last year already. Right. You've got good running backs. You've got an improved wide receiver group that is, that is running open pretty consistently. You've got really good tight ends and, and and three of them that all bring a lot to the table. And then you have quarterback (laughs) where 
Let, look, I mean, it, it, it's just it's just the truth. It, the quarterback play is not where we want it to be at this point in time. If if everything else aligns, and and I think that's that's it, right, Jay? Like, how rare is it that you look across the board and everything else is aligned except the most important position in sports? Like, that's where a lot of this frustration from the fan base is coming from, right? Yeah, and you know, to that point, this is, this is what they've built. This is what fickle and the whole staff have built. Like they, they wanted depth. They wanted, you know, one a and one B starters across the board. They wanted there to be the championship expectations, both like internally on the team, but also like, this is what Luke wants. He wants people going on. He, he doesn't pay attention to that stuff. I believe that, but he wants people going on college game day and saying like, UC is going to make the, college football playoff because yeah whether he cares what the people that say that think or not or what people like you and I think that's what he's built the program to do this so that's his that's his goal whether he cares what people say or not and I don't think that they've neglected quarterback like obviously they you know recruited Evan Prater the top recruit in the country they like Des they like Ben I think they believe both those guys can be conference championship winning quarterbacks just Des has not played very well the past couple of weeks. Obviously Ben was unavailable last week. So it's, it's not like, Hey, we built this great team on every other position, but right. You know, I don't think it's like an Andy Dalton situation. It's just kind of has looked like that the past couple of weeks where the quarterback play has been lacking. The coaches know that Des knows that clearly everyone who comments on Twitter and on your message board knows that uh, the, the problem is, it's, it's been set by the high expectations for this team. And then the other issue is I'm not totally sure what the, what the answer is. That's something that it's been a little more difficult for us this year because we weren't physically at camp higher ground, right. but we have gotten to peek in on in a decent number of practices uh, since they returned from higher ground. And there's not an easy answer from watching those practices. It's not as simple as, you know, Des isn't getting the job done uh, across the board and there's somebody ready. In fact, it's been kind of, you know, you, you wonder how much, yes, there's more talent in that receiver room, but how much the off season played into not developing more of a chemistry with all those guys. And it makes me wonder how much that has been more of an issue for Ben than it has been for Des. Des has, you know, we're getting to the point he's almost got 30 starts under his belt. Um, and then you lose Alec Pierce, who is the one guy that's been around that both of them do have a chemistry with um, outside of Jay Sean Jackson, who I, I think is having uh, a very a, a nice bounce back junior season so far. Um, but I there's a lot that plays into it. And, and I think we both scratched our head at times with Ben because there were times last year where we both walked away saying Ben's throwing the ball a lot better than Des right now. And we haven't said that so far uh, in 2020. Yeah. Especially towards the end of the year when it was pretty clear Des was, was banged was hurt, up. Yeah. And, yeah. And it was, we were kind of wondering like, you know, what, what's the hesitancy to go to, to, to Ben here. It hasn't been the same thing this year necessarily partly because Des is healthy but also you know you've said it I've said I feel like we both said it every way possible Des won it was an open competition it was not like Des was you know had pole position you know they were equal coming in and Des won the job and there hasn't really been anything since that at least on the practice field that has that has changed that um yeah I know I think you're right that we probably you know, the, everything that's gone on this offseason has played a factor. I also, the stuff people say about, like, coaches and, and Fickle say about Des is not untrue. Like, the leadership stuff is real. There was a play uh, Saturday where he moved, I think it was Michael Young, you know, he was, like, lined up on the line, and he was supposed to be lined up off the line, like, out wide. And before the snap, he, like, just motioned, like, hey, back up. You know, saved him an illegal formation penalty. I'm not saying that's like reason why, you know, you have to, you know, play Desney right. starter. It's just a small example of the stuff that he clearly has an understanding of the offense. He clearly has a, a command of, of the team that he's noticing things like that. 
you know, stuff that even we as reporters don't necessarily are always realize in terms of his control of, you know, play calling and, and at the line of scrimmage. But none of it changes the fact that he didn't play very well against Army and then played worse, you know, m- maybe significantly worse against USF. I'd have to go back and look at stats. But that certainly was, you know, his, his worst healthy game. I think that maybe he's ever he's ever played. And that's, I think, where a ton of the angst comes in is because he didn't play well against Army, and I think everybody expected, all right, step up and bounce back against USF. You have a big game, and especially a game where, where Ben Bryant was not in Nippert Stadium. Uh, you, you have a big game, and you reestablish yourself. And from the jump, I mean, there's no defense of that first interception. Like la- last week, we could look at the pitch – and break down Jason Jackson and Wyatt Fisher missing the block that allowed the guy to get into position to jump the pitch. Um, there was no defense of that first interception. And really the third interception, there's, there was no defense of either trying to force the ball into Leonard Taylor with, with a guy, that guy wasn't hiding. Like that guy didn't come out of nowhere. That guy was clearly like in Dez's sight line. We saw the picture and, Mo posted. That guy's never hiding that guy from, from USF. Yeah. Like that, that, that's a, a throw you can't make. I mean, he, he protecting the football is something that Luke Fickle has always talked about. Des made two throws in that game that, that on under any circumstance, you can't let go of those footballs and, and, and throw those balls into the danger that he threw them into. That was my biggest concern with Saturday. You know, the, the interception he threw against army, it was, it was just a bad throw. It was Michael Young was open. It was the right read. He just threw it high. The ball got tipped. It got intercepted. And, you know, I, I wrote about this basically even on death. Yeah. And even on Dez's worst day where he's missed throws, he has, he's took, he's taken care of the ball. He's made smart decisions for the most part on Saturday. He missed a couple of throws, but he's also making bad decisions. He's making bad reads. And when you combine those, that's when, you know, stuff starts to get tough where it's not like, Oh, you just, you missed a throw down the field, but you were accurate. Otherwise you made the right decisions. Otherwise, you know, you helped win the ball game, especially those first and third interceptions. They were just bad decisions. Even the one, which was a great defensive play, the second interception in the end zone, it was probably the ba- a bad decision because there was a guy wide open dragging across the middle of the yeah. field. Jaden Thompson was, was uncovered uh, on a drag. And I get that you maybe have it in your mind that, that you're going to make that fade throw to Jay Sean, but you got a guy running wide open in front of you. That's the better choice than throwing it to the guy that, that is facing blanket coverage uh, in the end zone. So that's the frustration. And, and I get the frustration. Like I said, especially as this thing has been built by Luke Fickle, it has been building to now. You know, we talked about this last night when we were, we were talking about the show, you know, Two years ago, it was make a bowl game, right? Like, just just make a bowl game. And they win 11. And then last year, it was, well, they're probably going to be better, but because of the schedule, they might not win as many games. And they won 11. And went to the conference title game. And went to the conference title game. And now, the next step, is the biggest step like that, that's that's the, the the biggest jump and you have to have quarterback play to get there especially the way smu is putting up points the way ucf is going to put up points um memphis you assume they're going to put up points tulsa i think is fascinating in two weeks and, and we'll get to this more next week because i almost feel like tulsa is is a carbon copy of uc in a lot of ways um so that's two teams looking in the mirror on the road. And, and that's the other thing. When we broke down this schedule many, many weeks ago, Tulsa road, SMU road, UCF road. Those are now looking like maybe the three best teams in the conference outside of Cincinnati. You don't get any of them at home. And I think everybody just wanted to see going into this buy. Uh, they wanted some comfort level in that quarterback play was was going to be up to the challenge and right now you look at it and I'm just not sure that it is I'm not sure anybody is sure that it is 
including Luke Fickle, even though he's he's never going to throw Dez under the bus. But to win these games coming up, and it starts right out of the bye, you have to be better at quarterback because you're you're where you need to be everywhere else. Yeah, and you're right about the expectations have you know has has kind of heightened people's you know being on edge about quarterback play and, and maybe their lack of patience. And it it should you know people should have high expectations for this team. Luke Fickle and the coaching staff have high expectations. They they want you know this. He has not said these words, but it's basically conference title or bust for this team yeah. this year. If they don't win a conference title, that's a disappointment in terms of what they believe they're capable of. And you and I have said that, and other people have said that too. So people saying, like, we can't afford to lose a game because of some, you know, below average or, or poor quarterback play. Yeah, that, that's right. The, the reason you root for this team is because of seasons like this when you have a chance. I think what you and I have have talked about and what – internally the team is talking about is for everyone that just says you know put Ben Bryan is put Ben Bryan in as much as talent as he has and as as much as maybe it's it's time to see what he can do in a game I don't think it's that simple of an answer well he had a little bit of he had a shot against Austin P and and didn't throw the ball well right And, and it's a it's almost a matter of uh at least to this point neither of them have heightened their output to match the expectations. And that's, that's where we're at. Right. Because it's happened everywhere else. Like even when you go back and look at like, look at last year, um, we were unsure about the defensive line. Now it turned out to be a plus, but there were questions there. We were unsure about the offensive line. It proved to be uh, valid. We were concerned about quarterback or uh, wide receiver play turned out to be valid James Wiggins goes down the week before the, the so we're concerned about the safety a little bit and Javon Hicks emerges and and Sauce Gardner emerges and that kind of answered itself uh, we thought there was this incredible depth at running back and then McClellan gets hurt and then Dokes is out for a couple games at the start of the season and then Tavion Thomas transfers and all of a sudden it's just Mike Warren back there Right. Until Doug's got healthy again. So, like, when you looked at last year, it, it didn't match up to what we're saying across the board about this year, where everything else is in place. And it doesn't matter what level, unless you're Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, you know how the cycle works and, and how you build to that. Like, in next year, we're going to be restarting the cycle in a lot of different positions. And that's not to say they're not going to be good, but it's going to say – they don't have a three-year starter at strong safety and a three-year starter at field cornerback and, you know, a three-year starter at, at free safety and um, Jarrell White playing the best football of his life after four years of experience in the system, the defensive line with all the experience that those guys have. Um, that's, I think, you know, that's the part that you're trying to juggle. That's the part that you're trying to balance in your brain when it comes to the quarterback has got to be better because everything else, this is the cycle. This is, this is when it's supposed to happen and for it not to happen because the quarterback play isn't where it needs to be is the most glaring thing, right? Like if it was quarterback play was, was okay, but the offensive line wasn't protecting and we still weren't getting any separation from the wide receivers. People aren't freaking out about that per se but quarterback is the headline spot quarterback. The quarterback gets all the girls, right? Like that's why everybody's talking about this. Well, you know, look at the other, the other questions entering this season. Linebacker was the biggest one and they've been great. Jarrell's been great, but DeBronco has been really good. Beavers has been a lot better. Van Fossen and Engel are in there making plays like, okay, that's been answered. The, is the offensive line actually going to be better? Yeah, I think so. You know, maybe some, some interior run game stuff hasn't been great, but it's been much better and more stable than last year. A lot less penalties, like penalties was a big thing. A lot less penalties this year. The wide receivers are open. So yeah, all the other questions have been answered. And what would be, what uh, behind quarterback, what for you is maybe the the biggest, second biggest question mark on this team right now? Because I have my answer. 
I mean, it would probably be the the effectiveness of the run game inside. Um, Mine was going to be place kicking. Yeah, I mean, it, which is not a small thing, but if that's your second biggest concern, yeah, you're in a you're in a really good spot. Unless right. the first one is is quarterback, which unfortunately the it is. Kick return, kick return is there. Punt return is there. Uh, your blocking kicks. Your <laughs> Your punter is like the, the best punter in the nation, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cole Smith probably would be right up there with uh, getting better run blocking, I, I guess, would be, yeah. you know, the top three. Um, and getting better run blocking on specific plays because plays to the outside, I don't think have been an issue. You're getting good blocking on those plays. So, and the other, th- the other thing, this goes to, to quarterback. I feel like we've talked about this before, but it it's worth, reminding people Luke Fickle has a way of doing things and as part of that he is not just someone who is going to hastily or in some people's minds maybe not hastily you know make a quarterback change and and turn it over to someone else especially if it's not what he's necessarily seen in practice and people can criticize that if they want but it's also what has gotten the program to this point and and what has made Luke Fickle the coach that everyone loves. There's also with him, uh, when, when a change is made, you don't go back on that, that you don't go back from that change. Like they weren't going back to Cam Jeffries last year. Once they put sauce, uh, on the field as a starting corner. Look at Des in 2018. Yeah. It only took, granted, it only took three series, but he knew when he made that decision after that first game, all right, this is what we're doing. Yeah. So it, you have to, I think that is a, a great point. And in Luke Fickle's mind, if change is going to be made, it is change. Like it's not tinkering. He doesn't, he's not a tinkerer. Yeah, and and Uh, you have to earn it on this team too, which is why it takes guys sometimes two or three years to, you know, crack a rotation or, you know, to to earn a a starting spot or you know significant playing time spot. That doesn't. It certainly doesn't change it at quarterback. No. So it it presents a lot of uh, a lot of interesting uh, conversations, of course. I think we're getting to the point. I know you wrote about it today. Go check it out in the athletic uh, about the Des and the quarterback situation. Um, we've written plenty about it on Bearcat journal. We've talked about it plenty on Bearcat journal. We're almost to the point we're running out of, of things to say. Right. And, and not saying just the same thing over and over again, because it's been covered. It's to this point. It is very simple. Desmond Ritter, if he's the quarterback of this team has to play better. And if not at some point in time, you got to figure out what you're going to do. I would just say you also have to be careful because if you figure out what you're going to do and that, and that is the wrong decision, you can also eliminate yourself from accomplishing the goals that you want to accomplish along the way. If, If Ben Bryan is not ready to be better than Desmond Ritter, then you're putting in a quarterback that's not as good as the one you're benching and you're still having to play on the road at Tulsa on the road at SMU. And then what ECU Houston, Memphis, and then on the road at UCF and, and temple. And if he's not ready for that, you're not going undefeated either way, or you're not making the conference championship either way and not making and winning the conference championship for this team. Uh, would feel like not meeting expectations. That's well, that's, the, that's what it comes down to, right? Right. Yeah, not meeting the expectations internally and externally. Um, and that's the other interesting wrinkle is, so they have a bye week. Then they, at least as things are right now, I know they've built in some time on the back end if they need it, but there's no there's no breaks. Right. The last whatever, what is that, seven games, I guess? Yes. Are, are right in a row as things stand right now. So you would think this is the week if you're going to do any tinkering or, or change anything, this would be the week to do it. Obviously, However, the other wrinkle thrown in was that, you know, Ben was unavailable. And, you know, I, I don't think we're with only – we're not sure when Ben will will be available. He, he could be 
able to practice this week, could be able to practice next week, could be able to play against Tulsa, but I don't, we don't know at this moment yet. So maybe that limits what you're able to do in the next couple of weeks. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> Never a dull moment on this beat, is there, my friend? Every, even all the things we've just said, we're still talking about the number 11 team in the country. That's, that's, that's three and oh. We and, shouldn't and lose it, sight of that. And hasn't been tested. Which, you know, is a credit to them. It's Austin P. yeah, I get it. They're, they weren't going to compete. And USF's not very good. But Army Army was ranked. And even though they're better than Army, that doesn't mean Army stinks. They gave Army chances to, to be the better team they that gave day. gave a 7-0 lead, basically. Yeah. They literally just tossed them a touchdown. Here, touchdown. Look, we, we, we respect the troops. Here's seven. <laughs> So I, you know, it's, it, it will be, if, you know, it could go bad really quick. That was, you know, another thing I wrote about, which is you might not, I don't know how many more times you're going to have a chance to say, all right, it, it hasn't gone well, but you're still undefeated and you're still on track. Like at some point that luck or good fortune runs out, but don't, uh, at least for the fan base, don't lose sight of all the, all the good things you still have going. Everything they want to do is still available to them. Yeah, it just becomes a matter of uh, going back to that well of asking your defense to bail you out over and over and over again. Eventually, because college football is college football in 2020, eventually somebody's going to put some points on you. Yeah. We saw it last year. Um, It wasn't frequently, but we did see last year teams at times were able to, to put points on the board. And you're coming up against the stretch of teams that SMU is going to going to put points on the board, especially at home. You're not holding them to seven. You're probably not holding them to 28. Right. And you so, might not always get a block kick or a kick return, you know, for, for a touchdown and, and those things too. That they create a lot of opportunities for themselves, but it's like, all right, I got a Reds analogy for you. Okay. It's like a team that relies on only scoring by home run. And then eventually you face a pitching staff that doesn't give up home runs and you can't score. (laughs) Like eventually you face a team that doesn't turn it over or doesn't make mistakes in special teams. Or, I mean, one of the the least talked about things in that army game was how much they hurt themselves. Army hurt themselves with penalties, Mm -hmm. which you never expect to see from an army team. But you know, you see had that going in its favor. Um, yeah, what Some would point be, time, what's a good number for them to hold SMU to? And I would think anything under 30. Right? So yeah. that means you're going to have to score. You know, if you hold them to 28, you have to score 29 to to win, which yeah. they haven't done this year. Well, I guess they did Austin P. but I'm, you know. Austin P. yeah. In the last two games, they've been 24 and, there, and 28. There have been plenty of opportunities for those games to be in the upper 30s and 40s. Right. which I, that's the angst. That's so. All right, man. Well, I mean, that's, there's just not a whole lot more to say on it. Like running out of words. And I, I, I never run out of words, <laughs> but you don't want to, you don't want to beat a dead horse to the point where you're just saying the same thing over and over and over again. Um, Cause people just tune you out. Right. And I don't like when people tune me out. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything else you got? Any anybody? Who, who's who's your biggest surprise so far this year for the Bearcats? I mean, I don't. It, I guess I thought he would play well, but how good Jarrell is playing, yeah, is is really. I mean, he's the best player on that defense in in my opinion right now, and that's a defense so far, with, yeah. With Wiggins back, with Myjai playing really well, with Sauce playing well, that might have been Kobe's best game you know, in a long time, that might've been our Quans. Our Quan, yeah. Our Quans best national, game in on the national team of the week from pro football focus, number two cornerback in the country Saturday. And, and I still think Jarrell, especially the past two weeks has been the best player on the field for them. Here's where I, here's where I strongly agree with that. What did we talk about with the loss of Brian Wright and Perry Young, that heartbeat, that energy, that constantly, on the move, constantly on the go, constantly looking to make a play. Who was going to replace that? Of course it was Jarrell. Of course it was the cockroach. The cockroach. 
they they tried to kill him for three years. He's found his way back, and now he's found he's he's slithered his way into best player on a loaded defense. Like, yeah, you you can never count that guy out. That that's we say uh, la cucaracha because that sounds less like it, you call him the cockroach. It sounds like cockroach it's a bad is thing. it's endearing. It's a compliment. Yeah, it, it is very much a compliment in that uh, if you go back over the last three years. He because he doesn't have like a specific home, he doesn't have you know an ideal spot as a linebacker. They moved him, they moved him from spot to spot to spot and, and tried to do different things with him. Um, and no matter what, he he always you look at the the play sheet and he maybe played 40% of the plays but was second in tackles, you know, and that's been his MO for, for three years. So, yeah, I think him stepping up and replacing that that um energy that effort needed from the linebacker spot is big i i'll go with my guy josh wiley Uh, he was my he was my second one because he just changes things he he gives you that that threat that big body at tight end he can is you know there's no bigger josiah deguara fan than myself but josh gives you the ability to do things that that josie just physically uh did not have in his bag of tricks so, so I think those two are pretty obvious. Um, who, I mean, I, I, Hudson and Harper have both played really well. I, the, the best thing you can say about offensive linemen is uh, you're not noticing them. Yeah. And I'm not noticing either of those guys really much uh, at all. That will ramp up. Uh, Tulsa, Tulsa's defense is very good. Um, my Jay has – the, the counting numbers aren't there in terms of he hasn't had that big, like three sack game yet, but he is constantly around the quarterback. Yeah. If you're watching, he's, he's making plays, even if they don't show up on the stat sheet necessarily. How about Curtis Brooks showing up on the uh, PFF uh, all starting team this week at, at defensive line? I had someone ask me just about the defensive line in general, basically outside of my J and, and I think, it's, you know, in the, the way they've set up the Army games, obviously weird because the triple option. But even just in the three three five like, they're not always going to blow you away with stats. You know, I, I remember Marcus said this at some point after last season. Like, I don't care what the stats say about Elijah Ponder. Like, that guy was a, a beast last year. Yeah. And maybe they don't get the sack numbers, you know, or pressure numbers even in the way the three three five is is kind of run. But when you don't have – when you're not getting gashed with a three-man front and you're right. not – giving you know quarterbacks all day to throw that means your defensive line's good and I, I think like the Brooks number on that the PFF thing showed that he had a couple of nice plays but I don't know that anyone came out of Saturday saying like wow Curtis Brooks is really good but right he was the analytics say that I'd also say I think we are um I think we are quick to accept him as like as if he's been here for a long time but Michael Young is way up on that list as well because he's given them a guy that's been able to get open and, and be a target uh, consistently. And, and I don't know what it is about him, but doesn't it feel like like it, it's just Michael Young's, you know, here? I was going to ask you, like, who's who is the last receiver you see has had like him? Like, I don't want to go straight to the Marty Gilliard level, but just in terms of it, like, he seems like he can get open on any play. Who was the last guy they had that was like that? Um, probably Shaq. Yeah. Probably Shaq. I mean, Chris Moore was a little different because he was an over-the-top, you know, stretch-the-field guy. He ran good routes, don't get me wrong. Um, Even like Khalil, you know, I wouldn't say there's – Khalil I think is kind of underrated now, but – Very much so. Looking back – <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> but he's not the same type of player that, that Young is, I don't think. No, he was definitely a little bit more of a true outside guy, I think, than than Young, who's kind of that hybrid that can do outside receiver things but can also do slot receiver things. Um, I, th- I think it would have to be Shaq. I mean, yeah, you know, one. you go fan favorite Max Morrison from that same group. Uh, or if you want to go – go back in the day like goody was a little, goodman was a little different just because it's uh, we need to at some point in time introduce you to dominic goodman 
so you can shake his hand. Yeah. And it will all make sense. I mean, I remember watching him play at Coleraine. Like he was, he was royalty here in town. Yeah. In the day. Shake his hand and it will all make sense as to why he never <laughs> dropped a ball. For like, you know, like we talk about Coriante DeBerry all the time that he, that he had those monstrous hands. Coriante DeBerry was a monster of a human. Right. Dominic Goodman was not a giant guy. Right. What, 6'1 or so? You know, not a, not a small guy, but he had the hands of a giant human. Like, you know, you shake his hand and his fingers like go up your arm. <laughs> You're like, no wonder you never drop a football, my friend. So, but yeah, no, Michael Young, you're right. He's been, he's been good. To, you know, the Blanco, it's, yeah, that was another guy. We just weren't sure he hadn't really been in that position yet. And he's a totally different player than B Wright, but he's been really good. It's so funny because B Wright was like a, um, like a robot that short circuited and just like went haywire and had his own, like, you know, the AI took over. Robots have rised up against us. Yeah. And, and DeBlanco is very much like programmed. Like Marcus plugs him in with a (laughs) USB cord before the game, punches in the data, sends him out there. Leaves him in the office overnight and comes in Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) So two totally different players, but uh, effective nonetheless. Now that's, that's going to get much more of a test as we as we go forward yeah the whole team it's it's the schedule gets tougher now so we'll we'll see well thank you sir for coming on i appreciate that thank you to john brannon for joining us today so some good some good holy grail talk um with a chance for him to take a shot at me as he why do these guys love taking shots at me brannon and fickle it's 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 one of the like if you're going to dish it out you better be able to take it yeah where we're at I think it, I'd say it's endearing. I, I don't know, you know. It might not be. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> it's all earned. They know, they know who that. you are. They know yeah, who you it's, are. It's all earned. Uh, I'll give them that. You guys should hear the stuff that got cut out of this podcast. <laughs> but we are at the finish line. Thank you to my friend Justin Williams for jumping on and joining us. We like to save those for the off season because – uh, you know, we're, we're each doing our thing in season, but bye week chance to talk to John. Uh, it's a Tuesday morning, uh, getting close to Tuesday afternoon, but it's a, it's a Tuesday morning. Uh, I know you would, uh, you would be thrilled, uh, to jump on and, and we didn't even hear any frozen in the background. I know. I'm, I'm glad. Well, I was have to, I was going to have to listen back and make sure, but, uh, I I'm glad that didn't happen. And I appreciate you having me on as always, buddy. All right, man, we will talk soon. I'm Chad Brendel. That's Justin Williams. Special thanks to UC head basketball coach John Brannon. We will see you next time. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.